change your thinking, change your life. We're going to spend the next four weeks learning to use the power of Scripture to help us change our thinking. So how good are you at thinking? Truth is, some people are just not very good at thinking things through. In 2019, Joe Williams ended up having his 95 Jeep Cherokee stolen by some car thieves. Now, he was grateful to have it recovered by the police, but obviously a 25-year-old vehicle isn't a great prize, so they abandoned it. The thieves did. But they also left behind several oddities along with their mess, including a series of candid, mocking selfies. Apparently, Joe had one of those old disposable cameras in the glove box he had long forgotten. The alleged prowlers, it turns out, also found the disposable camera, and they snapped a couple of pictures of themselves during their escapade, which they neglected to take the camera with them when they ditched the car. So one of his kids took the camera in to get the film developed, expecting to find a few old memories. Instead, they were surprised to find photos of the alleged joyriding car thieves. Amused, Williams posted to his Facebook page with a sarcastic caption, Anyone recognize these Einsteins? Not the smartest of car thieves. But what about you? How good are you at thinking through what it is that you face in life? I mean, I know you're not stupid like car thieves. We obviously wouldn't leave that kind of evidence laying around. And yet, so many of us who can think strategically and purposefully suffer from an internal form of limited thinking when it comes to the spiritual battles of our lives. Too often, when temptation or destructive thoughts come our way, we resist to a point, but then we give up because it's just too difficult. Besides, what's the big deal with looking at a little porn or telling a white lie, a small drink, a piece of cake, a little flirting, just a little intimidation? It's only a few hundred dollars. But with every excuse, every justification, every rationalization, the enemy deceptively embeds himself in our minds. And the next thing you know, you're trapped in his web. And that deceit shows up in our minds as we begin to listen to the lies. Well, if they knew the real me, they wouldn't want to have anything to do with me. What are you doing taking communion? You're worthless. Or who do you think you are sharing an idea? You're just stupid. Or please keep your head down so they don't have to see you. You have nothing to offer. You really can't be a Christian. I mean, look at all the sins you commit. And for us as believers, we got a huge problem to solve in our lives. An enemy who wants to destroy our lives through deception and sin but there is good news. The way to win this battle is in our minds. Romans 12:2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The battle against the enemy is in our minds. And Paul knew how powerful the mind is of a believer who submits to the lordship and truth of Jesus and his word. And so today, we begin a new series called Mastermind. And we're going to look at the mind and teaching of Paul, how he handled his thinking. And through Paul's teaching, we will learn that when you change your thinking, you change your life. 
So we begin today by turning to 2 Corinthians 10, and we're going to learn this today, that your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. So follow along as I read 2 Corinthians 10. By the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. I, Paul, who am timid when face to face with you, but bold towards you went away. I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be towards some people who think that they live by the standards of this world. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. So the background of our passage is crucial to understanding the truth about our thought life. So Paul was in Corinth on his second missionary journey, and he established a church in that city, and he spent 18 months with those Christians that he had brought to Jesus Christ. Now, he's already written one letter to deal with many of the problems they had in this church. And one problem was their susceptibility to following teachers who would lead them away from the solid truth of the gospel of Jesus. Maybe they were our modern-day YouTube preachers who are good, even today, at leading God's people astray. They're eloquent. They sound smart. But do they honor God? So this problem for the church was huge because these false preachers and teachers were leading the Christians away from the true gospel, which is salvation by grace through faith in Jesus. And they were doing this by attacking Paul and saying things like, oh, he's so weak, or he's a hypocrite, or he's totally ineloquent and boring as a speaker. He doesn't even have the spirit. Never listen to him. In other words... The Christians in Corinth were being deceived into walking away from faith in Jesus. And so Paul begins in chapter 10, a very direct confrontation with the people at Corinth. The false apostles, these teachers, needed to be challenged openly, and Paul's legitimacy as an apostle has to be defended. His defense of his authority is not some kind of ego trip because the Christians in Corinth didn't like him anymore. Rather, he knows if they quit listening to him, they will be led astray to a false gospel, which is the real battle, a battle for the hearts, minds, and souls. And Paul knows the one who's behind all these false teachers, Satan himself, wanting to deceive, uh, to discourage, to lead astray the followers of Jesus. So Paul reminds them that this battle is not physical but spiritual. It's not seen but unseen. And is in his defending himself against the accusations and attacks, these false teachers and their deception that they were sending Paul's way, Paul reminds them of a crucial understanding. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. That's such a simple yet profound truth of the reality that we know as Christians that 
honestly much of the world doesn't understand. We live in this world, but we have a view and perspective of life that's very different. We don't live by the same philosophies and perspectives and priorities of people who don't know Jesus. We live a God-focused life, not a me-focused life. And that's so crucial in the battles that we fight. We, we know that the struggles of life, both inside and outside, are a part of the work of the enemy seeking to destroy all that is good. We are living in the light of Jesus, which reveals truth and priorities that those who are not believers just cannot fathom. So we make choices that so many just scratch their heads at, or they scoff at us, or they laugh at us. Romans 13, the night is nearly over, the day is almost here, so let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality or debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. So we fight the battles of this life against sin and its destructive consequences with a different perspective. Then he goes on, the weapons we fight with. Because we have a different understanding of the reality of life, we know and understand that using the viewpoints or philosophies or strategies of this world are extremely limited when life gets difficult. I mean, we're in a fight and a battle against an enemy who attacks us supernaturally and spiritually so, that we, so we know that we have to employ a different standard and tactic in the battles that we face. So what do these weapons accomplish? He goes on, our weapons have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Those weapons have divine power, God power. And that's what I want to need, God's power, because I am weak and powerless against the temptations that come my way. To demolish, that's a term that describes demolition and destruction. And strongholds, uh, it's a, a fortified military structure. And when we use spiritual weapons against the difficulties of life, we're relying on God's power to demolish the fortress that Satan is trying to build in our minds. And this is at the heart of our winning the battle. We understand that it is spiritual and unseen. So we rely upon our Father in heaven who sees all things. And we bring his power to bear in our battles. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. See, those weapons are used to tear down arguments and every pretension. And the reason is because the lies of the enemy are in direct opposition to the truth about God found in his word. We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. In other words, we grab a thought and we run it through the filter of the truth of God, through the filter of his son, Jesus Christ, found in the word of God. And we take charge of our thinking and whatever passes into our mind, we capture it and we ask things like, is this really true? Is this in line with what Christ values? Does this line up with the Word of God? See, our weapon is the truth of the Word of God, the Bible. And Paul, in Ephesians 6, uses this battle metaphor, and he comes to the only weapon in our arsenal, Ephesians 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. 
put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and the authorities and the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, and note this one, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Paul's teaching us that the weapons we use against the relentless attack of the enemy is the Spirit's sword, the Word of God, the truth of God. So as Paul undertakes his defense against these false teachers and apostles, he reveals to us some powerful truths about the battles we face. How we think truly does impact how we react and respond when faced with attack, difficulties, struggles of this life. And it's really so easy to think of Paul as this ultra super spiritual guy who never struggled with temptation or discouragement or the despair that can come with the difficulties of life and leading a church. That's just not true. The reason is because Paul was human like you and like me. So in his defense against these false teachers, he reveals some powerful truths that are so crucial for you and I as we battle the enemy. So this teaching especially these verses three through five, I mean, they can have such a profound impact on your spiritual walk and mind. The practical steps that we're about to learn have helped God's people escape the lies over and over again. Hey guys, so a couple of days ago, you guys got an email or maybe you saw it on social media that we're doing this new thing throughout this series of masterminds where we want you to be helped through God's word to be able to become the master of your mind for Jesus to be the master of your mind. Now, I know like some of you um, out there, I've really struggled with something in my head where anytime that I felt like I failed or I messed up or someone would tell me something negative, I would just start replaying in my mind all the negative things that people had told me. It was like I had this cassette player and as soon as someone something happened, I just pushed play and it would just start repeat over and over in my head of you're disgusting, you're worthless, you're selfish, nobody loves you. And I mean, there's much worse, trust me, that I've been told. And um, it was so disarming and made me feel so helpless and made me believe those, those lies that had been told to me that they were going to be who I was. That's who I was. It wasn't who I was in Christ. It was my identity was those words that, in that cassette that was being played in my mind. And so a couple of years ago, just one day, I was really, really struggling and I felt so helpless. And I finally just kind of went in my mind and I was like, why am I, these are Satan's lies and I'm just continuing to believe them. What do I do? How do I get past this? Because I don't want this. I don't want this to keep being who I am. And so I grabbed my Bible 
and um, which I encourage you, any trouble that you're having, the one of the best places for you to turn is definitely your Bible. And so I spent a day just searching through God's word for who does God say I am? What is my identity in Christ? Who does, what does God's truth say about me? And you know what I found is that he says that I'm beloved, that I'm forgiven, that I am loved. And that just was a game changer for me to see all these different phrases of who God says I am. And so what I did was I took those phrases and I put them on my bathroom mirror. And anytime I passed it, I had to sit there and read every phrase. And it was a game changer for me because instead of replaying the lies in my head, hitting play on that cassette, I was sitting here and putting God's truth into my mind and making that replay instead. You know, sometimes we got to retrain our brains from thinking through those lies and so that we can be masters of our minds and that Jesus can be the master of our minds. So I encourage you this next 30 plus whatever days and dive into these really take them in read them pay attention to them they are a game changer they changed what i saw in myself and who i found myself to be and i really hope that they help you as well and make this a time for you where you can change the course of the way your mind thinks so most of life's battles are won and lost in our mind when the mind is a battlefield between God's truth about you and Satan's lies to you. A war between God's truth and between our enemy's deception. And so since our life is moving in the directest of our strongest thoughts, that's where we want to pay attention. So let me share with you two practical steps from our passage to help us win the battle in our mind. Step one, identify the number one stronghold that is holding you back. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. So what is generally locked up in a stronghold or a fortress? Well, it's prisoners. But for you and me, the stronghold represents a prisoner locked up by deception. And what is that deception? It's the lie the enemy gets you and me to listen to and believe, a lie that keeps us locked up in that prison. As Brandy shared, most of us hear it when we talk to ourselves. Oh, I'm never going to be good enough. My past is too bad. After all I've done, God could never, ever use me. I can't trust anybody. I can't get close to anyone. After what they did to me, you can't trust anybody at all. I'm never going to be in a job that I love. I'm always going to be well behind. I'm, I'm never going to have enough. All of my relationships, no matter how hard I try, they all fall apart. We're locked up through the deception of the enemy. God, who designed us, knows that the thoughts we have and think have a profound impact in our lives. See, because of the way the brain works, the more we think certain thoughts, the more they become kind of the default thoughts at certain situations. So if every time a stressful situation arises and I think, well, if I were a better leader, that wouldn't have happened. Eventually, that becomes my default thought. And it's like a, a well-worn path across the grass. It's a worn path because it's now the easiest path to take, right? And if you tell yourself you're a failure over and over again, you create a pathway where it's easier to think that you will always fail 
rather than in that moment thinking God loves you no matter what. You've created negative pathways in your brain. In order to change your thinking, we have to change the past through which our thoughts travel. So we begin by, as he says, grabbing or capturing a thought and asking, is this thought true? Does this honor Jesus? Is this thought from God? So when I think I'm just a failure, I got to ask, is that true? And I say, no, because I realize that that's a stronghold of the enemy in my life. So the first assignment is you need to identify the one stronghold that's holding you back, just one. So what's yours? So mine is, I typically look at negative circumstances or difficult or stressful situations, and I respond with, uh, Doug, you're always such a failure. Now, it doesn't always come out that exact phrase, but that statement demonstrates the belief that's behind the heart of it. Here's the thing. From the outside, most people would never know what your stronghold is, right? Because we're good at hiding. We're good at putting on a mask, good at putting on a wonderful front. So many of you would say, Doug, you're not a failure. I mean, look at your beautiful and amazing wife. Your marriage to her all by itself proves you're not a failure. And you're correct. And I did marry the most amazing of women. But that thought, failure, it's a stronghold that the enemy has in my life. And I must identify it before God can help defeat it. So what's the stronghold that's holding you prisoner? Maybe you think, I'm not lovable, or it's not worth it, or it's too much effort, or I'll never be good enough. I don't deserve anything good. I'm always going to be broke. I can never be close to God. I can never have a real and meaningful relationship. Whatever it is, name it. You cannot defeat what you cannot define, so give it a name. This is a lie from the enemy that has kept us prisoners. So step one, name the stronghold. Step two, name the truth that tears down that stronghold. Some of you are locked in a prison and the only lock on the door is a lie. So we identify what the lie is and then we attack it with the truth. Verse 5, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. That word captive, great word. It literally means to arrest or to seize at the point of a sword or a spear. Implying, we take the only offensive weapon in our arsenal, the Word of God, and we take captive the lie and we tear it down with the truth from that Word of God. What we do is we capture the light with the sword of the Spirit, the truth of God, and we declare, that's not from God. Therefore, I'm not going to believe it. I'm not going down this negative pathway. This does not lead to God's destination for my life. I'm going to choose a different road. And we change our thinking away from the lies of the enemy, and we reprogram them with the truth of God. Again, Romans 12, 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. 
Do not conform to the pattern of this world. I could say it this way. Don't conform to their pathways. Don't think like the world thinks. Don't live like the world lives. But instead, be transformed, be changed. How are we transformed? By the renewing of our mind. Now, science would say you're rewiring your mind. But God's Word says you're renewing your mind. And the truth comes directly from the Word of God. It is the divine power, the divine weapon by which we will defeat the enemy. And I already said that my stronghold is I'm a failure. I mean, I think things like I can't do anything right. Everything I do falls on its face. So when I believe the lie, what happens to me? I start getting defensive and argumentative or I shut down. And capturing the lie is tough because it can feel so true, right? I feel like a failure. But is that truth? No. So I have to capture the lie and name it. Doug, that's a lie from the enemy. But then I must name the truth, which can only come from the Word of God. I say, no, that's a lie. And the truth is, I am not condemned Romans 8, 1, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I say, I am loved and forgiven. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I say, God sees me as righteous and holy. Ephesians 4, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires and to be made new, here it is, in the attitude of your mind, and to put on the new self created to be like God in what? In true righteousness and holiness. Now, I don't know what it'll be for you, but you, you say, I, I can't get it all done. I, I can never. No. You say, when I'm weak, he makes me strong. But I'm not attractive. I'm just no good. No. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, but I'm just miserable and always hurting. No, the joy of the Lord is my strength, but I'm always going to be alone. No, he will never leave me. He will never forsake me, but I'm just a victim. Victim, I can't overcome. There's just too much. I'm always going to be addicted. No, I am an overcomer by the blood of the lamb and the word of his testimony. I am not who the enemy says I am. I am who God says I am. What is that truth from God's word from scripture that destroys the lie you've been fed by the enemy? We want to help you figure that out. We want to help guide you to that. And so one of the commitments to you over this series is to provide you with truth that comes from the word of God to help you attack the lie with truth. So as Brandy shared earlier, we sent out an email, a PDF of a set of scriptures. It's also available in the link there. And every day, we're going to email one of those scriptures to you. We're going to post it to the church Facebook and Instagram accounts. The truth of what God's Word says, who you are in Jesus. But this is just the start. You, you need to do your own study and discover what are truths that really pull down the lies that have kept you locked up. So in this series... We want to help you take the truth of God's word, which sets us free and let it so permeate your mind that the truth demolishes and tears down those strongholds of our life. We win the battle in our minds by fighting with divine weapons, the truth of the word of God. It's time to listen to who God says you are and stop 
listening to the lies of the enemy.